You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Hey, Riverdale gang. Hello. Welcome back. We are, uh, we are your watch-along critical commentary podcast, and, um... I think we're in a good mood today. I think we are. I'm welcome in a good to mood the today. That's exciting. Um, welcome to the Riverdale Gang Watch Along Critical Commentary Podcast, as Ryan said, recorded here on unceded Tsleil-Waututh, Musqueam, and Squamish territory, often collectively known as the Coast Salish peoples, um, on which much of Riverdale is shot, um, as well as further up the valley and further north of the city as well. I think we are your hosts, uh, Ryan and Chloe. That's us. Um, this is quite an episode. <laughs> yep. So, I want to paint a brief picture. Um, <laughs> I was I was tired yesterday. Yesterday was a good mm. long day. I I was outside walking, doing things in a, a sunny but cold day for hours and hours. Not hard things. Slow outdoorsy, long walking instead of taking the bus because I have the time things. It was a nice day. And I was very tired. And so I didn't watch Riverdale at the end of the night. And I woke up this morning still kind of tired. I didn't sleep extremely long or extremely great. It's just, you know, it's not a not a golden, beautiful morning. And I was a little groggy this morning. as a, And as I pulled up Riverdale, I, I listened to some podcasts, I caught up on my Magnus archives first, I had a coffee, and then I settled in and I pulled up Riverdale, literally on my phone, uh, to watch the recap while walking home with a coffee. And, um, and the recap was fine, and I started going, and then, then it caught my attention. And I, and I, and... I don't remember exactly where I clued in that, oh yeah, this is the penultimate episode from last season, but there is a real aha moment. I, the oh, first, interesting. The, the first time I started giggling uncontrollably, I, I, I'll see if, I, if it catches me again. It couldn't have been more than a third of the way in, but, oh, I woke up, um, and, and now... Now, having seen it all, um, my bread is risen, my crops are watered, my skin <laughs> is fresh, my antidepressants are at maintenance dose, my, um, the glory of Riverdale, this little gift given to us. I feel very, very heard right now. Casa. <laughs> um, well played. I am pleased. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think that I think that I all I too sort of I I didn't clock until Ryan said that when in our pre-show ramble. Um, yeah. What was our pre? It, what was our pre-meeting texts? Uh, to to summarize, um. I, I, lowercase, so this episode, capital case, this episode, you, <laughs> I, period, no, period, so many things happened, period. <laughs> That's. Yeah. 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 I didn't that sums have, a lot up. <laughs> I didn't have that, like, magical 
it's the last three episodes of a season thing that often mm-hmm. happens with Riverdale. Yeah. Um, I do find that in, in seasons two, three, four, there was usually for me as a viewer, there was a little lull towards the end of the season where I wasn't quite as engaged. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then mm-hmm. on like, obviously season four was kind of a weird example because the pandemic hit and things changed and mm-hmm. the shooting schedule got, got all mashed up. Um, and, uh, but that, but I did notice that lag was present and, um, I find in like the third to last episode of Riverdale, I'm suddenly very, very engaged again. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and so I didn't quite get that same magic sauce, but I think it's partly because of this enormous break that we had. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I, I think we, we have the neat, um, the neat watching experience as sort of regular viewers of this show. Um, of seeing a very intentional, very formulaic, uh, television style, genre, homage, there's a set of rules that were broken by outside factors and then had to be reassembled into, like, two smaller animals without being too ugly or missing any vital organs. In a weird way. Like, even... uh, it's as much as that metaphor got out of control from me the 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 summer and logistics were wildly out of control um so i'm very pleased like i feel like we got a i got a neater viewer experience um in my first pass through than i think i would have gotten eagerly anticipating this <clears throat> Because That's really interesting. I, if I think of the run-up from Killing Mr. Honey to here, I, if I think of that as the the back-end season swing that's mm. building up to punch me in the face and mm. actually building on season four, on, on, on not just season four, but a string of, of I thought, very well-assembled little nuggets of... of of neat moments of, of, of things that I remember thinking neat, this might pay off. Um, Dungeons and Dragons offers like Mm. that instinct of, Oh, that's a, that's an adventure ask. Yeah. That's that, that NPC had an exclamation mark. We didn't stop there, but they were, they did a lot of that coming, coming to pay off is what I really felt this episode. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I think I think there were two. I think the big piece that I feel like I missed out on as a viewer, I would say, sort of my only real complaint was that I wanted a bit more of a chase of Charles mm, mm-hmm, in the mm-hmm, way that we got mm-hmm. with the Black Hood and Chick. Oh, legitimate. Um, yeah, that was that was sort of the only thing where I was like, oh, like this is where I expected this to go, and I like that he's just been like in almost every scene with Betty and Jughead since the beginning of the season. Like, that's exactly my jam. That's exactly what I'm into. But I was like, oh, I want I want Betty in particular, but maybe Betty and Jughead to just have, like, a an episode where they have some near misses, and then they figure out it's him. Well, you know, Chloe, we still have a season finale. It's true. <laughs> it's true, it's true, it's true. I don't think they've deflated all the tension just yet. No. I'm I'm picturing this as the the shape of the precarious dominoes 
finally taking a visible form right before someone kicks it. Yes, it's possible. Um, and also, how did we get this far without commenting on uh, Riverdale saying land back and Riverdale yeah. saying restorative justice, no incarceration, this system is broken. Like, hey, yeah, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was really interesting. Finally it paying made... off on your progressive gambit, like... How many little little activists, anarchists, nerd artists in the back scene of this of this crew are just, <laughs> just 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 had fun with this episode? I really like it because that's those are moments where it feels like Riverdale knows where it's shot. Mm-hmm. Because um, we are on unceded land, you know. Like it's, yep. And it that that can't. Every time I look at the show, I feel like I wish I wish someone could say that. I wish someone could say that that mm-hmm. this tree this grass you're seeing this road this is all on unceded land now um I, i'd like to I, take a step back and contextualize that but i'm sorry i jumped on your thought and please. i should let you finish no no please i want to i want to okay well let's put a pin in that and then mm-hmm. i will um i will let me just finish my thought really quick yes which sorry. is that i was thinking about the notion of ret- ret- retribution mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and um how that might be intersected with um, reparations or be in uh, in opposition to reparations. Um, right. And it made me think of a series of Instagram stories I saw by a local poet um, uh, and I think also artist, but I could be wrong, named Jay Simpson, they, them. And I don't want to speak for them. I don't know this person personally. They're indigenous. I'm not. But this was yes, my takeaway I, from these. I, I know their work. I know their reputation. Yeah, work. yeah. Um, but this is my, this was my takeaway from their um, from their Instagram stories, and they were commenting on a series of paintings by a famous Canadian indigenous artist whose name I do not remember, but I think his last name is Monk, where he uh, redoes 19th century paintings of indigenous people done by white people. And in um, the uh, painting that um, Jay was commenting on, there are violent things being done to white people um, by indigenous people. And um, this, of course, got a lot of buzz. Um, He's making an intense point about relationships between white people and indigenous people. Sorry, is this Um, um, Kent Monkman? Monkman, thank you. Yes, that's yes, exactly yes, who I'm thinking yeah. of. Um, okay, yeah, and yeah. Jay, Jay said something to the um, very, very Googleable. Yeah, um, Jay, I don't know this person personally. Maybe I should stop referring to them by their first name. Mix uh, Simpson referred to um, didn't feel great about these paintings and said, mm-hmm. you know, this is not the type of indigeneity that. I feel super jazzed about the. This doesn't feel like it rings true to the kinship relationships that I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. And so um, that kind of floated through my mind when mm. I saw this uh, retribution on um, on Penelope's part. Because Penelope doesn't do that for indigenous people. She does that to no. take personal revenge. Like, that really has nothing to do with landbacker reparations. Mm-hmm. And, and neither I, does Cheryl's I, motivation, honestly. Cheryl's yeah, not, Cheryl just wants... Cheryl's not doing it right. And I am so thrilled because I think they know that and are playing that. 
Yeah, hopefully, because she just yeah. wants, like, she wants to do this for her girlfriend and so that her girlfriend's grandmother likes her, you know, like. Yeah. Um, and, um, she, she's I do doing think it for love, I, but not for the love of what's right. Yeah. But it did get me thinking a lot about how European cultures take care of what they would refer to as justice. And I do think that justice and retribution are very related concepts in most European cultures. And and that yeah. I think, like, smacking a non-Indigenous lens on this, um, Penelope is like, I am... I might be doing this for my own reasons, but this retribution is quote unquote justice. I don't agree. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I think that that like that, that like punishment retribution as justice is like broken. And I don't feel good about that. And I don't want to be a part of that personally, but um, all those thoughts kind of floated through my mind uh, as I watched this dark sugar trash sequence where mm-hmm. Cheryl realized mm-hmm. her mother had poisoned all her living relatives other than Nana Rose. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, that's that's my thought. Please un untake your pen and tell me what you were thinking about. Oh, gee, oh, gee, oh, gee. It's tripled since then. I'm so excited. Um, I'm delighted that you brought all of these subjects up and I want to throw a bunch of like thoughts and things that I've seen that uh, for anyone listening who wants to jump into this conversation at several of these conversations there's a great deal written online it's, it's easy to google these these conversations and discourses with a couple of with a couple of keywords and and individuals um, and many of them have have very available, activist voices, be it on social mm-hmm. media, be it in, in, uh, written articles. Um, and, uh, Kent, so Kent Monkman, um, I felt like I had it so much to add while you were saying it, but. <laughs> well, I know that, I know that before I sort of went off on my, uh, soapboxy moment, mm-hmm. you mm-hmm. wanted to say something. I said something about the fact that there's unceded land in every shot of Riverdale. And I rem- you sort of perked up yeah. and you're like, oh, I have something to say about that. Oh, yes. Just the, um, the, the connection, an origin of where, where we get that conversation from, where we've learned, um, the jargon and conversation and, 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 uh, and that protocol, um, so as, as, you know, Chloe and I are both, uh, frequently working in the Vancouver live theater and event scene, um, which overlaps well, not right now. <laughs> the, in the before times, yes. in the past 10 years, yes. um, which shares a great deal of community with, uh, the performers and the designers and the crew and the artists who make up the the b- bread and butter workforce of shows like Riverdale, from extras to um, uh, lighting team to day players, um, and slowly, 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 steadily, like that's that's a community that has now for five years been fifty to eighty percent of the um, of the Riverdale workforce live in that same artistic community and space where I can only really speak firsthand for what I've seen in the last decade here in Vancouver in this specific community the really um, really impressive saturation of the normalization of land acknowledgements and conversations mm-hmm. about what unceded land means being um, becoming required mandated standardized normalized parts of this community's discourse, um, I really, 
I really feel like some of this conversation that is now happening on the CW is the 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 payoff of a great number of these indigenous artists 10 years ago um, asking for and holding and insisting on space and acknowledgement um, and setting terms and protocols and patterns that um, uh, settlers and allies have buggered up a lot, but yes. <laughs> at least normalized and absorbed to the point that we now don't bother to explain what unceded land is at a live event in Vancouver. At, at, at the theater, a cabaret, a big burlesque, we have a land acknowledgement yeah. for 500 people, and we don't explain what that means, because it's, it's, it's part of the local conversation and landscape. Uh, and that's a hell of a lot of work from uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of local activists here and in, 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 in so many communities and cities and territories. But I'm, I'm really impressed by the work of the local community that I uh, get to see firsthand and that I think is also well represented and reflected on Riverdale. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm so happy to see those conversations trickling upwards. Yeah, and I do wonder how much of that was generated from within the the non-local crew in the like just I thinking back to I know that the the show writers were called out for mm-hmm. sidelining characters of color. Yep. And so I wonder if it's possible that part of that conversation tended towards issues of indigeneity and land rights. I I would be surprised because I I don't, I feel like a lot of people treat um, non-Indigenous people of color and Indigenous people very separately. And by people, I mean white people. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And often can't see the interconnectedness of the systems of oppression that are present there. So I'm not, I'm, that's, that's speculation on my part. I wonder if it sort of both trickled upwards from like local artists participating in the show as well as, um, mm-hmm. uh, non-local, uh, creators having a say. Yes. And like, I, I, I want to, what's the positive version of the benefit of the doubt? I want to give hopeful credit to Aguirre Sakasa and his lead team. Like I know, I know. He, his early work, he studied and worked with a number of uh, very radical contemporary playwrights uh, whose, who, you know, whose work and themes underpin a lot of the, um, uh, the groundwork of today's progressive conversations. Uh, I know Paula Vogel, mm. in particularly, who um, intimately explored sort of family violence and uh, uh, the AIDS crisis and queer identities... Mm and uh, the nuclear family uh, in the 80s and 90s, uh, as well as as misogyny and uh, sexual assault and sexual intimacy. Um, you know, these are, these, this, this is the artist community uh, internationally and across, and across parts of America in particular that I know Aguirre Sakasa is trained from and in. And I believe a lot of this, this theme and content has been nested nicely in you know the the introduction and creation of who tony is for example mm-hmm. we were introduced to a tony who had layers unexplored and i feel like 
the the activism and agitation of this year has um, maybe helped clear way for some of those stories to be given spotlight for whatever systemic reasons or institutional reasons or somewhere in the pipeline that these things were not being focused on or told that was folk that was brought into light but some creators like i think riverdale aguirre sakas and his team um there's there's groundwork there in their training in their art in their aesthetic in their ethic and and in their writing um and the the bar of what we are of what is possible in progressive activist pop media is continually Mm. adjusting um not that i Mm -hmm. think this team are thought leaders who are bringing on the revolution but i think they are uh well-established professional artists who are well situated to do really good work uh and are well connected and tapped into uh, a lot of important conversations and a lot of important cw money Hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, they that's are really hiring a lot of people around us. <laughs> Honestly, yes, it's Riverdale true. Money has gone to uh, the wine bars at my black box shows. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it, it just sort of actually sort of pivoting uh, to a different part of the I think they think I think the conversation mm-hmm. you're having. Mm-hmm. It is we are in a sense very intimate with this show. Like we feel direct benefits of the money that this show brings into our community, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's an interplay and a perspective that I'm, I've been really excited to discover over the years, um, watching and analyzing this show and having these neat coincidences of performers we're acquainted with or have met and who we're, we've been able to talk to, uh, which is something I want to jump into as well when we're watching the show. Mm-hmm. That uh, that's been a real treat for for us, I think, uh, and something I'm so pleased to be in a position to uh, ramble excitedly about to yeah. a room full um, of strangers. Yeah, it is really cool. <laughs> um, I uh, so Ryan and I at the beginning strangers. of this um, and uh, experience realized that um, one of our internets is glitching, and I think that um, <laughs> Ryan has glitched for a sec. you're back hey pal exciting you know what's great about that glitch is it's not synced to tv show so i can just play the little the little uh ennui monologue i took off to the side uh and and your thing interspersed and i'll make it work in editing i wonder what we said i love that (laughs) i love that um Um, should we jump in i have i have two more points that'll make really quick that okay great that um are what I was thinking of when the, in the, hey, you should Google more about this conversation. Um, Kent Monkman, uh, is a spectacular, uh, Canadian visual artist, um, who, um, I've certainly enjoyed a lot of his work, um, but I've also read a great deal of, um, criticism of specific pieces of his, especially by, uh, Indigenous women, trans women, um, and women in his community, um, in that he is, uh, I believe, a queer Cree man, and he brings many, um, many aesthetics and themes and styles from, uh, sort of drag send-up culture, uh, which can be, can be quite vitrolic, 
into into a a, a, a conversation um, that is very nuanced and complex, but about indigenous nations and um, and white settlers in Canada. For example, um, his work has featured um, sexual acts between his drag persona and historical and contemporary Canadian politicians. Um, is 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 a subset of his work. Others are very um, very tableau creations of historical violence. Yeah, um, it's an interesting topic, and poor Ryan, I think, is frozen again. But um, just to fill in the details, yeah, it's really interesting, sort of as someone who's outside of that conversation, to bear witness to it, um, because there's a lot going on there that, like you know, people who aren't indigenous, like Ryan and I can't really. Yes. You, you froze for a sec. I talked and oh, oh you get to edit later. <laughs> Isn't this going to be exciting? Yeah. Gang? Um, um, I hope my internet doesn't do that l- much, but we'll find out. Um, I, I mostly finished my ramble about things I love about Ken Buckman and think people should look up. Yeah, I hope your internet doesn't do that in the episode either. It's, in fact, doing it again. Um, but it's all good. Um, I should also note, Riverdale gang, um, this is what happens when you listen to independent podcasts. It's entirely possible that my roommate will step in to collect his laptop. So you may hear a door at some point. He probably won't talk or anything. But, oh, Ryan's back. Hello, buddy. Do you remember that time that, like, Fairleth and Andrew's food arrived in the middle of recording? Oh, my God, yes. went with it. This is normal. This is our yeah, life. Yeah, this is all part of it. We're all in the same Zoom, gang. <laughs> one big Zoom. All right, should we jump um, in? One more ramble. Oh, yeah, no, that's fine. I just didn't know if you got the ramble in while you were frozen for me. Um, so, yeah, Kent Monkman is certainly someone to look up, but also um, particular conversations have arose around his application of indigenous iconography and... Um, uh, traditionally roles of women and, mm. and elders. Mm. Um, for example, there, in one of his pieces portraying this, this sexualized uh, exchange, um, he has a, a, a council of, of Cree women, which is a traditional structure of Cree justice system, um, pointing and laughing. And there's criticism of this particular depiction being... Um, being the take of a cis man within a community. Mm, sure. Which, uh, as a white cis gay, I, I, I try to be aware of the big, big mistakes and landmines that I can really, really, really easily make. Because sure. there are a lot of them. And I recognize that that's a dynamic that also exists within, uh, within communities and within other, other, um, Yeah. Cultures. While you were frozen, and, I was uh, just... I think that is part of... Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, it's really interesting. I, um, while you were frozen, I was just reflecting on what it's like to be adjacent to these conversations. Cause it's really nothing like, like you and I can really comment on except to be like, here's some information about mm-hmm. this thing we learned. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's just really, really interesting to be adjacent to that conversation, um, within the Cree community. It is an extraordinary time of communication that, um, we largely by not making asses of ourselves are privileged to a great deal of public discourse yeah. 
Um, if we take the time to follow and pay attention to... Um, Poor Ryan's frozen again for a sec, but um, yeah, it is a really interesting time. I'm excited to hear Ryan's uh, next point when he comes back. Me too. <laughs> to um, Oh gosh, I hope this doesn't keep happening all day. Um, Last point, so, and then we should jump in. I'm really excited that it's a time where... Um, where we can observe and witness this discourse happening in a public sphere through things like social media, things through, uh, like, yeah. digital and niche publishing. It's a good time to be a creator in the lower mainland of this particular province of um, so-called Canada. It's an, an interesting time. Ryan is frozen in the most delightful, cheerful, happy smile. Oh, hey, you're back! Whoop! Okay, clean break, clean pause. Ooh, okay. Uh... <laughs> We're back. We're back on a telephone call, Riverdale gang, because you know what? Zoom's not cooperating today. Yeah. Indie podcast. Indie podcast. This is what it's like to record a, an underproduced podcast <laughs> at a height of the pandemic when we just want to talk about Riverdale. Ryan, you've been and trying so valiantly. Yeah. <laughs> you've been trying valiantly to make this point for so long. I would love to hear it, and then we should jump in. Uh, okay. Um, The Spectacle of the Scaffold by Michael Foucault is an excellent uh, base philosophy and reading that outlines um, a particular Eurocentric tradition and, and immediate history with very understandable concrete benchmarks and, and historical reference points to the, the philosophies, patterns, and public, public relations and culture of imprisonment and punishment. Uh, emerging out of feudal Europe and continuing into uh, European colonial culture, mm. um, in particularly a frame, uh, in particular a framework that ties the change of uh, physical violence, punishment by damage to the body, to uh, the evolution of that being considered cruel, but what other damage and punishments, uh, how how those dynamics have shifted and changed through our. Um, through the last about 300 years in Eurocentric culture, uh, as well as um, some very interesting framework to consider the, um, the uh, intent or outcome uh, and emotional catharsis of punishment, retribution versus justice and restoration mm. uh, as, as concepts and how some of our assumptions around, uh, how some of our structural assumptions uh, may, may be serving each of those principles in ways we don't visibly see or anticipate or judge and a way of digging into it's a good it's a good framework for digging into that nuance uh and uh breaking down that conversation further if anyone wants some further reading i recommend it cool that's a great recommendation now i'm ready to go let's watch riverdale all right everyone synced okay. up ready for the netflix <laughs> the doom I'm so sure we are. Sure we are. All right. Um, okay, gang. I'm going to hit the play and go. Go. Yay. Buddy. That really over-enthusiastic go is because we really, really need it without any faces on our telephones to mm -hmm. actually uh, keep track of each other. Yay, modern times. <laughs> I miss being in person with you, Chloe. So this is a wide-reaching recap that um, 
reminded me of a lot of things I was pleased to revisit. And a lot of, like, ugh. I'm happy to be revisiting this episode right now, Chloe. Mm -hmm. I'm excited by what this recap is promising me because it's, right now, it's a summary of the payoff I'm about to get. Yeah. It's, yep. I feel much better than the last time I watched this recap, Chloe, because now I know where it's leading me, and I like it. Shove, shove, shove. Man, you so, know, I think it's I think it was good of this show to have a conversation about uh, post traumatic stress disorder. I do not feel that they handled it in a way that I would have if I'd written this show, but you know. Um, no, I, I I quite agree. I quite agree. Um, it is also not my relationship to that style of trauma and healing, but I found myself delighted by the 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 completion of this particular story of masculine grief trauma healing mm -hmm. and forgiveness that was told using Archie's story this episode I don't know if that's the final coda I don't know if that's the beat moral also hi Brett hi Sean so pleased to see yeah. to see Here's Brett and to his punchable face. I like. I loved. I noticed that there were time. a lot of um, angles this week that were shot from below. There yep. was a lot Unflattering of Unflattering and ominous. Yeah. Fabulous style. Everyone looks terrible. It's great. I love it. I was really not <sighs> expecting them to kill Brett. That was a bit of a surprise to me. Yep. I. Bang! Punchable face, stabbable eyes. Yep. That's how it goes now. Um, yeah. this, this dynamic, um, I haven't enjoyed personally a lot of the stories and genres being, being put on Archie in the last two seasons. Yeah. Um, the boxing stories, the gang stories, the hyper-masculine dynamics, because that's, that's not stories I read or stories that speak to me, but, um, that is, that are, is stories, a story that speaks to a lot of people, I think. Um, and it is a type of masculinity that is out there that is, uh, big, in, in a lot of communities, that is that is a real way a lot of people are living, and that is a meaningful way a lot of people grew up, mm -hmm. uh, whether they're choosing or embracing this or or challenging it and changing it in uh, in their adult life. It's 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 not my experience, but I, it rang true mm -hmm. and it rang it rang it rang with beautiful values to me. Mm -hmm. This episode, in a way, it has rarely done before. Um, and I, I particularly was found myself thinking this uh, during this episode about uh, KJ Apa's body of work uh, in, as I understand it, fairly um, Christian contemporary morality TV, like a, a genre of storytelling that is, again, not my jam. Um, and my the fact that one of my favorite takeaways from my personal uh, Roman Catholic upbringing in the Indian <laughs> family is uh, the, the ideals and values of forgiveness and justice that are uh, often espoused and found in those texts and writings and teachings, uh, regardless of the institution and their actions around them. Um, those values th th that were certainly, you know, kindergarten level fodder and core, core value fodder for me growing up, um, are something that really resonated in Archie's story here, uh, and that for the for the very first time I found myself pulled and intrigued as to 
um, what sort of portrayals K.J. Appa might be uh, might be creating in his other body of work mm. of uh, of aspects of Christian values and discourse and morality that not my usual, but maybe I have something to to engage with. That's what I'm hoping. Yeah, that could be really intriguing. Um, it's interesting as you were talking, we were watching KJ Appa do some some good acting, honestly, in this scene where he's just so uncomfortable, and Veronica is managing this in a miserable way. I have to say, yep. we are all lying by a mission to Jughead at this point. <laughs> no one's hands yep. are clean. It's not good. Jughead is going to be so upset when the truth is revealed because it will be. <laughs> Yeah. Um, unless yep, we're unless probably... we're going unless we're going for full like um take this to the grave Betty and Jughead are married seven years from now and the plot of like the seven year jump is him finding about this out about this one kiss in high school I hope to God that's not what happens oh God I Hi, I expect them all to blow up and go four directions okay I was I was giddy this is this is my first giggle scene this is the scene where I started giggling uncontrollably because. I really, 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 really hoped we would get Nikolai and Sean in a scene together. Mm, alas. Just for my own personal satisfaction. Yeah. But, like, one day I want to get them both talk- talking over this scene or something. Yeah, this specific 10-second clip, I want their actor commentary on, even though Sean wasn't even there on the day. <laughs> but I, as soon as he was killed, I thought, I hope Dr. Uh, Dr. Cuddy Jr. gets a crack at this corpse. I hope. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) now also, the adults know, and the adults are also lying to Jughead. Listen, (laughs) I, this is a kind of, I loved the fact that Archie, like, stood up to him and threw him out of his gym, because this is a thing, as someone who's usually positioned as a woman, I'm assigned female at birth, I... Mm -hmm. Hate. I hate this dad trope. I think it's disgusting. I think it mm-hmm. needs to go. Mm-hmm. You have nothing to do with your kid's life. When men wrong your daughter, that is not your business. That is her business. Get out of there. I hate it. It's inappropriate. Do not make decisions Kill this for your children. Dead. I hate it. Especially violent decisions and actions for their for your children that are actually about you and your emotions and feelings. Yeah, I hate it. It makes me an excuse. It fills me with rage. Now this Meanwhile This was the thing I was (laughs) this was a really interesting sequence. I loved it. We saw the power of Hermosa here, which I was really into. I knew this character was gonna become powerful and she and Veronica were gonna be a lot allied in some way. And I was like, I was worried about, I did not know what was going to happen in this scene. I didn't know if Archie Mm -hmm. was going to show up or if Hiram was going to show up. I didn't think of Hermosa, even though we'd just seen her, which is silly. I didn't, I did not know, is Veronica about to get shot and there's going to be like a hospital thing Mm -hmm. and then Archie's going to respond. Like, I did not know what was going to happen here. I loved this sequence. I was ready for Cammy's death scene. Yeah, I thought for a second like, um, maybe Veronica would shoot that, like she'd pull a gun from somewhere, something would happen. But this was great. Fabulous. Hermosa was suddenly used, elevated. She is, to me, now in the position that Hiram Lodge was to Veronica in season one, with a whole different family dynamic to explore. As far as the power and protection decision, but Veronica is in far is is arguably more in Hermione's position and role. Yeah. As far as the power dynamic, um, there is there is hierarchy, but 
I love it. Yeah. Um, I was, and I was, I was ready for them to shoot, shoot Veronica. That's cool. Um, I was, I, this was one of the first time, first times in this episode where they grabbed a little snippet from the past that wasn't even in the, in the, the recap, but really, really paid off that I had kind of forgotten about that I thought they had forgotten about. Hiram specific hit. That's, that's, that's a couple seasons of laid work for me. Boom payoff. Yeah. I got a lot of those little boom payoffs here. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. So, cold, cold, cold Charles. This is interesting because, like, Charles evidently wants to be caught at this point. Like, he's doing the... I don't know if this is true of serial, serial killers or not, but it's definitely sort of a pop culture trope that serial killers, like, want to be caught and want to brag. And mm-hmm. um, I feel like Charles is definitely being characterized as, like, a Betty has good instincts. Is she going to figure it out? Blah, 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 blah. How do I direct you to the truth, which is me, right in front of you? Like, it's very... I feel like there's a lot of that going on here. I yeah. feel in in the payoff we're getting with Charles, much of what I didn't get, but potentially could have with mm-hmm. the Hal reveal several seasons ago. But mm-hmm. first, land back. Yeah. First, selfish, selfish, incidental, white power play, yes. family, murder, yes. land back. Now... What are the odds this was originally a scene with everybody and this episode was slightly different with them all coming to visit and getting poisoned by Penelope, like, IRL, and because of COVID, this is now over Zoom? (laughs) 100%. There is no question that this would not be a Zoom conversation last year. Yeah. Free plague. Um, But it works. This is a perfectly fine way of telling this beat, and I enjoyed this little moment of, oh, yep, muting racist auntie. I don't need your diatribe. Yeah, we don't it's need you. It's not important. But we know she's making it, and that says plenty about her. Yeah. And uh, we see Cheryl, like, reacting and learning to things that I think a lot of us who are white or white-passing or straight or straight-passing or, uh, you know, marginalized in less visible ways experience and see and really know and really notice. Yeah. I love how, I love that look Hermione just gave, like, oh, I don't care. Why are you making me care about this? And then suddenly she's like, which is, since the actor is leaving the show, I don't want to speculate on what Marisol Nichols feels in her personal life, but I love that this Mm -hmm. actor who was leaving the show got to do a role where she's just, or an episode where she's just like, I'm over this. (laughs) Good day. Yes. This is, this is. This is the little prequel to her private First Wives Club narrative. Like, yeah. her, her story begins fresh today with her two powerful daughters, stepdaughters, uh, feeding her money for her TV mob empire. I'm, I'm so in. I'm so in, too, Hermione. Yeah. I'm so in. We're into this. Love it. Also, this murder cabin, this is where the children play. Yeah. This is where Charles staged a suicide. The children might have found this. This is fine. Mm, they've seen worse. We don't like this. They, <laughs> they've seen many worse. Um, really enjoyed the, uh, this isn't, this, I, this isn't the final form. Something's not right here. Well telegraphed in Betty and Jughead. I felt the genre weight of those statements nicely in a classic, you know, whodunit building reveal way really enjoyed it yeah um really loved all the mary andrews we got yeah i love her molly ringwald bam yeah arranged this episode 
Hi, as Molly Molly. Ringwald. Fantastic. Yeah, they costumed her um, well too. I thought like nothing. I'm always a little worried that they're going to portray this character as dowdy. Um, yes. And they never do, and I'm always really grateful for it. She has these fun, sexy sweaters, and she had this cute little kimono on before with a nice bird up yeah. the back. It's good. Yeah. 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 A lot about Mary Andrews is fantastic. Um, and, again, she anchors some... I think her presence, her heavy, heavy presence in Archie, Archie's storyline here, and her, her impact and relationship to him, not just as an exposition conversation, but as a, um, a, a, a person with whom emotional ground is trodden and explored. Uh, I think that touch and that character presence had a big impact on my enjoyment of Archie's plotline here as, as a, a very complementary force in that exploration of masculinity, you know, a high, a, a lawyer who has largely worked in urban settings who is a, a very powerful woman in a in a very uh, masculine business world? Mm-hmm. Um, who is dating a army recruiter? Who um, who is a woman who explores many subversive, traditionally masculine uh, spaces, especially for her generation of storytelling yeah. for for the Breakfast Club generation of storytelling. Um, I thought she brought a lot to the conversation of, of masculinity that that was being had around Archie. I mm-hmm. talked over Hiram because, dang it, Hiram, I don't yeah. care about you. Finally, anymore. this toxic dad of Riverdale bites the dust. I don't think there are any left after him. Look at those little jelly bean. Look at those little jelly bean reaction shots. She's always noticing things and having feelings. Yeah. I'm here for it. I see the pieces even more in second time. Okay, so this family, this family, we got, we got, we got. The gang leader, Sheriff, and we got Alice, who's done a murder cult in as a confidential informant for the FBI after a long career in journalism and coping with the serial killer ex-husband. Mm-hmm. And we have Betty, who's also had about, what, four or five serial killer encounters with multiple serial killers in her town. And then we have Jughead, who's also been a gang leader, yeah. was really nearly executed a few times yeah. and named horribly, and has been involved in some violence. This, I'm not, Jelly Bean's done pretty well. Yeah, she has. this far. I do want to just very quickly say, I liked this scene that we're watching now between Cheryl and her mother. So I just wanted to very quickly so say, much. as someone who has a BFA in creative writing, and obviously... Mm. In the last year of that BFA in creative writing, the University of Iowa got talked about a lot. My understanding is that their master's program is better than their their bachelor's program, but that may have changed. That was what was true in 2012, and that was almost Mm. 10 years ago. But I don't know how it's changed. Mm. There was definitely... Jughead's reaction is exactly the reaction that everyone has at the University of Iowa. It's like (laughs) one of the best in... In English. (laughs) It is. Right. But... And everyone... But everyone's like... I know it's in the Midwest. <laughs> you know? There's yep. always this moment of like, why oh. Iowa? So Cheryl, you I'm, probably I'm have glad a good to know feeling. that it's you it's pro- a li- it, yeah. I didn't know it was such an important writing school. It's really Sorry. important. It's like after awesome. Columbia, it has the sa- it has the same level of rep as schools in New York. Yes. So um. Cheryl's good feeling and uh, selfish land back over Archie's justice story because we know where this is going. Yeah. So what is uh, my interest? <laughs> my the question I'm interested in is what is Tony going to feel when she finds out mm-hmm. that she is the alibi for Cheryl's family getting murdered so that Cheryl could do a nice thing? 
you know, like. Oh, honestly, honestly, I don't think the murder is going to bother her at all. I I think Tony will likely be bothered and recognize and hopefully call out and challenge and have a and and explore the fact that Cheryl's motivations are not altruistic. Mm-hmm. I don't. I think Tony's down with the murder. She's dating Cheryl Blossom. It's possible. She's definitely expressed. Mama some... Blossom lives in their house. Yeah. Mama Blossom lives in their walls. <laughs> I really wanted to know where this was shot. I love this little location, this telephone booth on this dock with like this rigging Ooh. stuff. There's like a crab trap. I bet it's Steveston. Oh yeah, that is that is a fabulous spot. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be a set. You could you could create this indoors pretty easily with wet set. That's true. It could be studio rain. I love yeah. that Betty. Like if, you, if you just had a. a I was just going to say, like, I love that Betty doesn't think anything's up. Actually, that might be a set. You're right. Um, Really doesn't think anything's up. She's just like, this is your drama. It's not true. Good day. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She, this, her, I I love that we get this moment of personal bias between Donnie and Betty, Donna and Betty. That is, to me, the payoff of their multi-season relationship, that Betty is so embittered and enrivaled with this person that she won't, she misses the clue. Yeah. That's, that's another puzzle piece payoff multi-season one on the recap, but I loved it. So, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was fun. Um, so hire least... Joan, you, you cowards. Give Joan more screen time. Don't, don't hire both your white team members while murdering both your characters of color off screen. Yeah, so we fully just little, never had, we just fully never got the full story on Jonathan, which is too bad. Yeah, he just vanished. Um, that said, uh, the actors who portrayed Donna and Joan and Brett uh, did get a lovely cameo in the final season of Sabrina, if you ever get around to watching that. Okay, that I I'm gonna watch it, but not anytime soon. I'm almost caught up on all the things I wanted to do in the first week of January. <laughs> I think I will get caught up tomorrow. Then after that, I get to watch Sabrina. (laughs) I understand. Okay. Watching this a second time, Veronica's story is all payoff for me right now. Like, Mm -hmm. everything from this actual moment of stakes and threat, where Veronica could have been shot through no fault of her own, and none of her her nets and webs and powers were in the position to save her or protect her at that moment, except for the family gang... And, like, everything from there is this wild origin story payoff for yeah. me the rest of this episode. I love it. I love it. Like, w- ugh. We've taken so many shallow or focused or stylized plot twists with Veronica. A lot of the beats of her story have been told melodramatically. Um, today, this episode anchored her story back for me. Mm-hmm. I'm also interested in the ambiguity of Hermosa as both like, sister and ally, or, like, maybe doing a hostile takeover of her own. Hard to say. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I liked that. Veronica is not the senior partner, and that is an acknowledged but also blurry reality of this character relationship that, that is blurry for the characters, I suspect, and blurry for the risk assessment. And that's, yeah, that's a question I'm delighted to take into a time skip. A yeah. seven-year time skip, apparently, according to Cole Thruss. Yeah, what's it going to be like when Veronica gets home from Barnard and Hermosa's like, oh, I have mm-hmm. to share with you? Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's a lifetime of, of 
Veronica goes to college, and that's a lifetime of Veronica does a thing after college, whether that's more education or more career or gang time. Yeah. To, to, uh, to build some fresh stakes and basically get to where her mother was at the beginning of season one. Yeah. I really that's hope they Buffy legit. season five it, or maybe it's season six. The season where the demons are not monsters, it's like the inner demons of all the characters. Mm-hmm. I'm way more interested in an end of season five of Riverdale where here's, here's another shot from the bottom. Um, yeah. I'm way more interested in a Riverdale where things kind of go back to normal and there's like a little less gang drama. I love how bored <laughs> Betty looks like, ugh. I don't want... I'm not interested. Yep, she just wants to be done. She, she, she's just got to get to grad. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, a moment ago, I also... I loved that Archie named specific injustices and bad choices and identified things that don't sit well. Like, he, he, spoke, he spoke his experience as part of and, and a preamble and part of forgiveness mm-hmm. and meaningful, actionable forgiveness. And that's... It's a it's a lovely paced and played out beat for me. Yeah. Um. Nice work, Jelly Bean. Honestly, kid, you are. Oh, kid, this is what a preteen would be like growing up in Riverdale for yeah. the last five years. I love this how, is normal. I also love how she seems slightly surprised. <laughs> like it's almost like like now knowing what we know now, it's almost like she's saying, mm. "Wait a minute, that wasn't in the script." Like, wait, that's me. <laughs> True. My play was that's the scripted beat that she, like, that she's playing her live part. Yeah, it's possible. Yeah, I think that's probably more likely. But I did sort of wonder, is like, oh, is there going to be a plot there where uh, Joaquin's brother mm. turns out mm-hmm. to, I don't know. I'm not really interested mm-hmm. in a plot line where he turns out to be evil, but. Uh, no, give Joaquin's brother a break. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I l- this this scene flips the dynamic between these two characters fantastically. Yeah. The stakes. Oh, that's this is where the payoff landed for me. Yeah. I'm just seeing it now because I didn't. You know, it's, I don't. I don't. This scene doesn't mean much for me. I wasn't giggling through it. I wasn't cheering through it, except for the completion of a power reversal, yeah. a switch of stakes that that like in its bite-sized form, completes a scene, completes a narrative, completes a story. I feel really satisfied with Veronica's story completion here. Yeah. Almost enough to worry about happens for the next two episodes to her. Almost. Yeah. This is, I, yeah, I just, I've been ready for Hiram to just be gone for so long. Yeah. And I'm glad that it's finally happened. I hope he doesn't come back in the next and uh, n- nothing against Mark Consuelos it's just the character I can't stand I am prepared to meet seven year retired Cayman Islands uh, dad bod Hiram oh, who yeah. is chilled out and learned ethics and now understands environmentalism and <laughs> is a whole flipped force on his crazy capitalist daughters I could see a new Hiram because I don't think Mark Consuelos is, is He's. I don't. He's. I don't believe he's been announced to leave. Yeah, I think you're right. Like, in, I like the, the idea of him going to the Cayman Islands and becoming like an American expat. Yep. This hat on Cheryl. This whole outfit. This hat. This suitcase. This Nana veil Rose. on Nana Rose. 
Ugh, and this, finally, the, the reveal of this false wall, I loved this. The hand, <laughs> Nana knows what's up. They finally tipped Nana's card in that little shake of her hands as she <laughs> gleefully acknowledges. And I, this scene, oh, this was one of my cackling scenes. This was a belly laugh cackling scene for me. Yeah, this because, is great. Oh, Nana Rose, I finally realized Penelope was a forced slave bride to the Blossom Heir. Yeah. Nana was probably a forced slave bride in some feudal capacity to Grandpa Blossom. It's possible. Nana just watched the entire Blossom family, who she's known her whole life and watched grow up, and who have no blood relation to her, and whom she clearly loathes to death, die. Yeah. With her scheming daughter-in-law, also no blood relation, and her scheming granddaughter, as a, a three-tier matrilineal, matrilineal murder... Um, murder matriarchy. Yeah. I really also, I really feel like it typifies uh, Cheryl and Penelope's relationship that Penelope's graduation gift was a quintuple homicide. <laughs> yep. Yep. It really does. It's, it's somehow both honest to these characters in all their hyperbole and yet like kind of grounded. Shockingly grounded for Riverdale. Like, okay, they've left a serial killer alive in the walls. I guess this is a reasonable use for her. That doesn't actually break the world. Yeah. Yep. Um, yep. I loved it. I, I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. Um, Penelope yeah. is still a conflicted character for me. Yeah. But I, I love where Nana Rose is going. Yeah. Man, <laughs> I love, I'm so interested in the powerful Betty of seven years from now. Mm -hmm. But, like, look at her sitting in these flames, looking mm -hmm. like an adult, looking very powerful, playing with something in her fingers. Like, it just feels very... I don't know. Listen, this actor who plays Charles plays the racist, um, problematic, rich, uh, white, popular guy in Dear White People. And mm, he suits that role him. so well. And I just <laughs> thought of that as he was like, this, this acting from him is like, uh, it's good. It's just that he's not, I feel like he doesn't have a lot to do. And now having seen him in Dear White People, I'm like, this guy can do more. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'd like to see him do more. He's letting out that class privileged sociopathy performance that he's refined so nicely. Play here. But he's also been chewing this for three years mm -hmm. that's what's that's so neat to, to me um for this this actor who really could have been a bit part or a day actor like he didn't have to be utilized as well as he was but yeah. they played lo such a good long game with him mm -hmm. um i'm impressed uh i'm really impressed with this this was a lot of puzzle pieces from for a long time clicking in also a nice critique on the dexter character of 10 years ago television. Oh, like, I never saw that. Yeah, the oh the the moralistic serial killer was all the rage with Hannibal the TV show and Dexter. It was a very particular pop culture boop, boop that had a big fandom uh linger mm. uh, over the last decade. And um I was I'm delighted to see that strung up in a support capacity in this family of extraordinary anti-hero mystery characters. 
which is which is who who they are now essentially. I don't think he's necessarily a blind spot. Mm. It's just a, a a piece of the puzzle that wasn't quite filled in. Mm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Also, a wonderful com- uh, completion of the um, the promised Leopold and Loeb balance dynamic. Yeah. Um, alluding to these two uh, white preppy thrill killers from the beginning of the twentieth century, a uh, historical murder case. Uh, alluding to that years ago and tying it back to this reveal moment. Mm, this is what I keep watching for. Yeah. Also, I love how the, like, two um, main colors of Riverdale are kind of played out on Charles's face here, but they're kind of off. Like, they're not the saturated blue and they're not the deep pink. But they're just, yep. like, there's something kind of echoing that. Like, it, something's off. Something's kind of wrong. I like mm-hmm. that. Um, I also love, can I just say, this thing from Charles mm-hmm. about, like, well, I'm not going to tell you who the auteur is, but I figured it out. And I love the fact that, like, <laughs> older brother Charles of Jelly Bean was just kind of like, oh, you go, girl. I like your messed up in this for, like, the entire uh-huh. season. <laughs> it's, yes, 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 That's yes, really yes. Fun. Charles is like, oh, man, this is my family. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Charles was having a ball this whole time. He was like, yes, I love my wacky step-siblings who are dating. I love my wacky stepsister who's making killer snuff film situations. He loved all this. None of them are step. They're all blood relatives. Yep. Except for Betty and Jughead. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. Are are step. They're step. Yeah, but this is, this, like, not that blood matters, adoption is extraordinarily valid, but as far as having grown up together and what the show has thrown out as far as genetic plots. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it it all ties. It does all tie. Oh, Hermione. Um, this, I am in awe of this reveal and this end note and this payoff for, that they give Hermione. Oh this, yeah, um, I'm majorly cheering fantastic- Hermione here. In another world, I believe Hermione and Hermione becomes Fred Andrews' paramour in some capacity at this narrative beat in a Stroh Bible. But as that is not the world we live in, um, for circumstances, um, letting Hermione step into this hyperbole dream life that reflects, wow, mom, you win. Exactly. Yeah. They let her win. Like, um, the character Christina Yang leaving Grey's Anatomy was sent off with (laughs) a world-class heart printing facility in Switzerland where she was researching how to bioprint hearts from scratch. That was a good send-off for that character. This is a fair send-off for Hermione. Yeah, I, and I also loved how impressed Hermosa was. I love she was like, yeah, girl. Like, she was, like, really mm, into this. Yeah, stepmom. This scene was, Yeah, team like, stepmom. This scene felt like it belonged in a different show. It's really interesting. I agree. Um, this is, this in particular was what I was thinking about uh, mentioning Molly Ringwald's performance range. Because this does feel completely starkly contrasting. Um... It worked for me in so much as I was invested in this emotional plot just during this episode. Um, I was I was on board for this scene, so it didn't it didn't throw me too hard. Mm. Um, as far as the the beats of exploring this conflict between parent and child about masculinity, about violence, reacting to violence, surviving trauma and violence uh, in a in this cyclical way, like I'm brought to mind. Um, v- gang violence narratives and yeah. stories. 
and and some fairly um some fairly heavy uh and meaty interesting explorations i've seen of of young people reacting to their trauma in art yeah that that's what i was getting echoes of in this archie scene uh that that were building and building and working for me today and in in that in mary's performance it could have been a little bit hallmark yeah but i think it came off uh more oscar bait I also really appreciated the nod toward the fact that usually the people who deal the most intimately with a man who is dealing with anger issues is usually a mom or a a, a, a girlfriend or wife, you know, like in the context mm-hmm, of heterosexual mm-hmm, men. Mm-hmm. Um, in particular, yeah. obviously, they date women. Um, I was just mm-hmm. thinking that, like, it's very realistic, this, like, woman who is who cares but who is also scared. That That rang very true for me. And I appreciated that. Yes, yes. And, um, yeah, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. That note in the relationship, I completely agree. Yeah. Was was fantastically presented and explored and built. Um, so I really liked the tone that this actor was given in dealing with Jughead, Jughead dealing with his younger sister, not this scene. I really didn't like this scene. Yes. I, I appreciate that this scene... They were on a limited time, and they needed to, like, get through something, but just have him punch the bag more until his hands keep bleeding. Like, I didn't buy this. This didn't feel real to me. Um, but I also, again, I don't participate in... Um, mm-hmm. In... Combat sports. Ceremonies of masculinity, which is this basically yeah. what this is supposed to be, you know? Um, I want to throw a lens on this scene, um, a lens of self-harm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That especially because of the long lingering shot at the end of the scene of the bloody uh, boxing, uh, boxing um, bag, um, this it didn't speak to me, but it felt true to a narrative that happens again. Uh, like I was saying earlier, a, a thing that I that ra- that rang well for me for unexperienced and a story that I. I, I felt was handled better here than in a lot of places. Um, and what we see is Archie hurting himself until someone interjects himself in the way of his violence. Mm. And that violence is externalized, reflected, and, uh, and witnessed in a different way. Um, like, as an expressive therapeutic encounter, that, the emotional beats of that scene make, actually make sense to me even though it's not a way in which I deal with emotions, it's not how my anger manifests or shows. Mm, yeah. Or the, or the scripts that I have or been given for doing things with my anger. Yeah. So yes, this scene, this is the one you were thinking of. Yeah, this Cole scene Sprouse's and then when he talks, when he talks to, um, his, when the Jughead talks to his dad, I just, mm-hmm. I really appreciated, the, I thought it was a good tone that they gave, that they gave this older brother and they gave this dad. So I have a little bit of personal cast on this. I made a big mistake mm. that involved lying to a police officer when I was about 11. And um, mm. there were some minor consequences to that. I definitely didn't do anything on the scale that Jelly Bean did. I told a couple of uh, lies um, and, um, I don't feel good about it. I look back at that experience in my life and I feel really embarrassed about it, but I was a child and I did appreciate yeah, that this 11. show didn't, um, I felt that Jughead and, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking on Skeet Ulrich's character's name. 
We've been watching him for so many FP, seasons. FP, FP, FP. Um, uh, yeah, F, FP um, and Jughead, the way they responded to Jellybean felt very realistic to me. And I th- and felt yes. very forgiving yes. in a way yes. that I was given forgiveness when I was 11. And I really, it was nice to see it. I Like, it felt familiar to me and I, I believed it. I'm suddenly seeing the synergy between Archie's storyline and Jughead's storyline here and these these themes of types of justice and justice mm-hmm. for youth and ju- and second chances mm-hmm. that I, I didn't even catch the first time through. But yeah, this modeling of how uh, an, the importance of identifying Jellybean's level of understanding in the impact of her work mm-hmm. and the access and influence that she was swaddled in yeah. with access to a half a dozen murder tapes of people she's personally met. Yeah. That's inappropriate for a child and this is a consequence of her access to this. Yeah. And she is treated fairly and justly as a child. Mm-hmm. And I like that's that's really what I got from the Cole Sprouse expression throughout this conversation. That she's she's a young person who is truly a victim of this. Yeah. Um, and I, like, I loved it. I yeah. loved it. I loved it. I also liked, um, how Jellybean, I didn't clock it. I think this was a buildup, but I didn't clock mm-hmm. until this episode how Jellybean is, like, tries to be a female version of Jughead, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, she tr- really, I'm, she really mm-hmm. likes her older brother and, like, down to her clothes. Like, her clothes are very Jughead. <laughs> She's even... You're right. Like, I think there's a, a moment that just um, passed where she's wearing suspenders the way Jughead wears suspenders. Um, right, and she's wearing right. a jacket similar to one the one that he's wearing. And um, she has something on her head, even though it's not um, mm-hmm. the crown. It's sort of like, it sort of is an imitation of a crown, this thing. Right? Yeah, I just thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I found this storyline, on second watch, I find this storyline very believable. Same, same. I'm so here for it. And, um... I I feel I'm really enjoying a meta note in this. Mm. Um, that um, I think there's a commentary on the, you know, the tweenage audience of Riverdale, especially from season one to season five. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, there are, there are 13 year olds who are now graduating high school who've caught up mm-hmm. to the show. Mm-hmm. and experiencing that whole tumultuous life around this show. And um, I think there is a commentary and an exploration uh, being being undertaken here, probably not directly, explicitly, specifically, or not to be put directly on screen, but um, around the audience who are, who are watching the, this hyperbole. Uh, at the same time, we have a generation of youth uh, across the world who are more and more facing some really nihilistic actions and activism. I feel like we are, we have one of the more, most active generations of, of young people in Gen Z that, I, that I can fathom in history. Mm. And, um, from the climate activist movement to the gun rights movement, especially in America, which, um, you know, has now outlasted the NRA, the NRA is bankrupt and March for Our Lives is carrying strong, um, and this is largely led by children of Riverdale watching age, age who grew up personally uh, it, doing shooter drills as the norm. Things that Riverdale started to touch on and poke into um, 
we we live in a strange uh, cultural time where we are acknowledging a tier of absurd violence that we've allowed and acknowledged for a generation increasingly spreading outside of marginalized classes and communities increasingly like increasingly affecting uh across borders and class lines in our society mm -hmm. and uh you know violence is super normalized for a whole generation of young people in ways i couldn't fathom in reality all around us in their personal lives and in the news and in the media and in what the plague right mm -hmm. um and in Jellybean's story, I'm very intrigued in what they're what they're offering about the um, the that experience and and what a lot of young people are likely going through as we see it as as an older generation. Like, oh yeah, this is weird and really this is messed up, but this is entirely reflecting what's been handed to you and pushed on you. Yeah, and bubbled around you. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ryan, I feel really good about all the stuff we've said about this episode. I really don't think I have much to add as a post-show chat. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I feel really great. That last shot with of, of Archie was a fantastic tableau mm, in particular. Yeah. That, that, the mood of that last visual landed so well for me. Um, I'm almost afraid to see what new mess we dig into next <laughs> week, but I'm also really excited. Yeah, um, I am too. I have, too. A, couple, I have a couple of last... Uh, just a, a little coda. Yeah, um, go for a little coda. I've been sitting in one position for quite some time, so I'm excited to move, but I want to <laughs> hear your coda. Um, do I have a coda? My coda is happiness. I think my coda is happiness. What a wonderful uh, I coda. Was just, I was just going to jump into art discourse and rambles from the first half before, but I've said my fill there. Google Google some of those words if you want to go more, or like tweet, tweet at me. Honestly, I, I will happily poke you in some directions yeah because <laughs> because there's amazing 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 activism happening right right in front of us being shared generously with us and i think finally reachable and accessible to a lot of the rich power money shows mm. like uh the cw uh machine yeah um so i'm thrilled with that i feel very sated thank you riverdale yeah thanks um, riverdale so psyched to see the further ramifications of Cheryl's plot line next week, especially. Yeah, Cheryl's yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, especially, yeah. Especially, especially. Thanks, Chloe. All Thanks, right. gang. Thank you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, gang. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Blah. Blah. <laughs> <laughs>